Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Coach Chiesa coming up here momentarily. We'll get his thoughts on the Utah Jazz. We'll see if Coach is watching the tournament, too. His thoughts on that? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Coaches, uh, usually when you talk to NBA guys, when they're in the midst of everything, they're pretty dialed in on the NBA. But Coach is such a basketball nut. I wonder how much he's consuming, <laughs> consuming of the tournament. Something tells me that he would he would take all the basketball he could get. Yep. No, uh, no doubt about it. But we'll ask him about the Jazz. They're taking on the Bulls tonight. Uh, Tip-off coming your way at 7 o'clock pregame will begin at 6. Uh, Tim Lacombe uh, going to be in, and uh, we'll get you set for uh, Chicago. They're an interesting opponent, Gordon. Not uh, not the best team in the league, per se, but Zach Levine is certainly a fun watch. Yeah, he is, for sure. And uh, Chicago is making baby steps uh, progress and uh, better than they were with Jim Boylan. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, couldn't do much worse. <laughs> Thanks, John Lennon. Uh, but Billy Donovan. You know that song. You know the song. Everything is getting better, better all the time. Paul McCartney said he he wrote that lyric, and John Lennon added in, couldn't get much worse or something. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history. I agree with you, Gordon. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's of course our good friend, the coach Gordy Chiesa, with us on the Big Show. What's up, Coach? Guys, I'm doing well. Thank you. See now, here's a band, Gordon. Put your red bone on. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. 1974, Jake, in case you're wondering. Yeah, but the Beatles don't, are don't give them the too much credit because these guys hate the Beatles. We don't hate the Beatles. We just think they're overrated. Uh, like you do, right, Gordon. No, uh, that was incredible. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history. No. Anywho, no. Goach, you don't need to, to step into to that argument. How are you? Well, How yeah, you but he's got, but Gordy's got a certain perspective, you know? No, I think they were great songwriters. But there's other bands comparable. I used to love The Doors. Yeah. See, there you go, Coach. This is why we get along so well. Love The Doors. <laughs> love The Doors. Um, hey, Coach, quick question before we dive into the NBA. You uh, you taking in much of the tournament? Any thoughts on what we're seeing in the NCAAs? Oh, it's fantastic. And I'm asked this question already about five times today concerning my infamous um, pool that I'm in. And I'll, I'll quote, if you don't mind, uh, Charles Dickens uh, from The Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. <laughs> My bracket. Remember, yeah, hey, Gordo, relate. remember when Coach's wife won our, our tournament bracket at the, at the station? Was that two years in a row, Coach, or it just one? It was two one? years in a row, and, and then I think you guys banned her. So she won two straight years back in 2000, I mean, yes, right, 2005 and 2006. And I remember, right, you guys, meaning both you guys, banned her from the pool. <laughs> well, she was too Most good. impressive. Too good. Uh, i got to ask you, uh, uh, before we get going on the jazz, Gordy, about the passing of Elgin Baylor, uh, you, you obviously watched him play. And uh, wanted to get your thoughts on on. Could you explain to our listeners who never saw him play what what he was? 
Well, first thing, I saw him play live. I first started seeing Elder Bella play in 1962 when the L.A. Lakers, who moved from Minneapolis for the 1960-61 season, they would play doubleheaders, it's hard to believe now, in Madison Square Garden. So there'd be four teams in the garden on doubleheaders, a lot of times on, uh, on a Saturday afternoon. So I saw him play, I'd say, uh, at least uh, 15 times. All right, so Elgin Bella was the first person that we ever saw was absolutely incredible um, airborne. Uh, I, call him, I called him uh, elevator hops, the way he played. So he was, before Michael Jordan, he was Michael Jordan. Before Dominique Wilkins, he was Dominique Wilkins. Before there was Dr. J, he was Dr. J. That's how talented he was. I was asked this question earlier. Is there anybody that plays right now that's somewhat comparable? And again, somewhat comparable athletically and body-wise. The only guy I could think of, because remember, Elgin Bell is only 6'5". So LeBron's, you know, 6'8 and a half. The, uh, this guy was only 6'5", Elgin Bell, was is, uh, Zions Williamson as far as his body and his hops. Quickly about it is that... Um, there's only two players in NBA history that ever averaged for their career 27 points and 13 rebounds per game for their whole lifetime. They are one, seven foot one, Will Chamberlain, and two, six five, Elgin Bella. Wow. So he's Where an incredible is? athlete. Uh, he, had his, uh, he had his incredible um, hang time. Jake, on his jump shot, he get up in the air so high, and everyone tried to uh, contest his shot, he was still rising up to look at the rim and shoot it. And he was some rebounder in traffic. And uh, he died today, unfortunately, age 86. I had the pleasure to uh, know him peripheral through uh, Hot Rod Hundley, who was a teammate of his, both in Minneapolis and, all with, and also with the L.A. Lakers. Didn't Hot Rod always tell the story how he and Elgin combined for 64 points and Hot Rod had two of them? That is correct. You saw that story forever. And, and speaking of 61 points, Elgin Bell has the record for the NBA Finals for the most points ever in the final series back in 1962. I remember the game. He scored 61 against the Celtics in a losing course. Amazing. Coach Chiesa is with us here on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Coach, let's uh, talk a little bit about the Jazz. And, uh, of course, they've been up and down recently. Um, Friday's game against Toronto certainly played better uh, than they did in a couple of the previous efforts. Very much also. And Donovan Mitchell was absolutely clutch for them with those inc- uh, three-point shots. And just generally speaking, it was a gritty win because the Raptors, to their credit, they've lost their eight games in a row presently, but the Raptors bite, fought, and, and clawed to try to get a win, and the Jazz took the ball to the foul line with those the discrepancy in a positive way for the Jazz. They attempt 41 three throws, while the uh, Raptors only take uh, 14, and that was the difference. So the Jazz defense is much more aggressive and more lively, and Donovan Mitchell refused to lose, and also his sidekick, Joe Ingles. So, Gordy, will you solve this puzzle for us? Because we we think about these things. Uh, Donovan Mitchell has the capability of of, of going one on one when he wants to create uh, for the Jazz. How do you find the right line between him doing that and still sharing the ball with his teammates? Well, there's two things you can do that. 
was right, is that his teammates have to look at Donovan also. So if Donovan has the ball, we call on a dance dribble, and he sees the defensive uh, guardian in no stance where he's fake guarding uh, Donovan, that's a great time to break the play slash formation and just solo drive to the basket to make a play. And the second part of it is that against good defense, you don't want to force things. What you want to do is swing the ball and try to catch the ball on the second side of the floor by, by already moving the defense and then dribble strike, which Donovan is. He can go over the top of the three-point shot. He has the middle game, and he has, he has really a, a very underrated, now improved um, a rim game where he penetrates not as deep, but he shoots the ball nice and soft on the rim and gets some English. That's what if, in his maturation, that's what he's doing better this season. Coach, um, defense has been a bit up and down for this team, and I, I think, uh, you know, when they guard, they play really well, and it's it's key to so much of what they do. Um, my question for you is, is there any connective tissue uh, when the Jazz play well on defense and when they don't? When they're, when they're struggling, what is usually going on? They're getting beat off the ball consistently as far as the non-ball containment. So that's most teams where if your defense breaks down at the point of attack, you're on defense, is that that's when you're now rotating out of weakness versus what? Ball containing, and now your defense is now much more connected. So when the Jazz play a solid on-ball defense, they're, they're much better. It puts so much stress on Rudy to make plays in the lane to either alter shots or block shots or to force um, a quick shots. So the Jazz, when they get in trouble, just philosophically. So most of most times, it's a half of Donovan Mitchell, half of Mike Conley, a, a third of Joe Ingles as far as that, a third of uh, Boyan Bondanovich. They get a huge break in a good way with Royce O'Neal, a very good uh, defensive player. And once they get back, Ersan uh, Elisovia, he also, for a big guy, has really good ball containment values. So when the Jazz contain the ball, the chances of the winning are much greater. Gordy, Ben Simmons has been saying that he's a he's the best defensive player in the league because he can guard one through five. And uh, Rudy was asked about that, and he said he doesn't view it that way. He views it more his impact, overall impact at the defensive end on his own team and on the opposing team. Well, your, thought, your thought, your oh, thoughts. I have, I have a lot of thoughts, and I the first thing also. Let's not forget. Remember, Donovan Mitchell torched Ben Simmons. They gave him Philadelphia when Joel torched the Jazz, I might add. Ben Simmons had a hard time guarding Donovan Mitchell off the dribble. And when I, when I studied that game, I said to myself, really, Ben Simmons thinks he's a, such an elite defender. Donovan is going by him, literally, I don't mean uh, once in a while, I mean consistently. So that's the first thing as far as uh, the visual of it. Ben Simmons is a, is a talented uh, player defensively, but he doesn't impact what Rudy does. What Rudy does for his team is that he alters shots and he blocks shots, and he also he's a very vastly underrated pick-and-roll defender. So I would lean towards Rudy number one. Also, I'd lean towards also uh, Kawhi Leonard and uh, Joel Embiid. You can make a narrative, Gordon, that Joel Embiid is just as impactful defensively, if not more, than his teammate, Ben Simmons, as far as Philadelphia on defensive end. Coach, the Jazz have the Bulls tonight. What are your thoughts on this uh, Bulls roster and specifically Zach Levine? First, difficult game. The, uh, the Bulls are trending. 
They've gotten better since the All-Star break, and they've done a good job as far as playing. Now, their home record is really de- uh, de- de- uh, really deceptive because they're only 9-14 at home at the United Center. So they haven't protected a home court in the beginning of this season. But since the, last, uh, since the All-Star break, as I alluded to, is that they have played much better. Zach Levine is absolutely a major talent. So, uh, Jake, the segue back to uh, with uh, a ball containment, Zach is going to take uh, the Jazz players off the dribble. He's averaging 28.3 points per game, but including that, he's shooting 52% from the field. He's one of the best guys in the NBA as far as shooting percentage because he absolutely has a has uh, some serious hops to the basket, create his own shot, shooting 43.8% from threes. So in the Jazz defensively, whether they play Royce O'Neal him to start against him, they've got to do a, a, a collective job of ball containing. The last point is this. They're getting a really good play out of Thaddeus Young, who the Bulls have an interesting dilemma between now and the trading deadline on Thursday, where he's a, uh, he, his contract next year is guaranteed for $6 million, uh, at a certain date next summer, next season is guaranteed for the rest of it would be 14.4. So every, every good team that's a playoff team definitely wants Thaddeus Chung in their team who's playing very well for them. He's an all-around player. So, again, Boyan Bondanovich will have his hands full, of try, and so will George Niang, of trying to slow down a, a Thaddeus Young, who's really a glue player. Gordon, he's shooting right now 59.6% from the field. So the two guys I mentioned are shooting above 50%. So the Bulls have gotten better, and so the Jazz have to be ready to play. Last point is this. It's the, it's the last game of a five-game road trip. So as, an, as a player, you've got to be, be in the present where your body and mind says Chicago, not your mind says Salt Lake City too early uh, tonight. So, Gordy, I have a question for you that if I suppose if you have the absolute answer to it, uh, it would be a, worth a whole lot of money. But explain to me why shooters sometimes get hot and sometimes they go so cold. We've seen instances where Boyan Bogdanovich couldn't hit the broadside of barn. And we've seen uh, times when, say, Joe Ingles has been really hot. What what makes the difference in that? Is that just a part of being human, or is there more to it than that? Oh, there's more to it. Is that everybody's playing with the connectivity offensively, that your teammates become your floor mates during the game, and that they know that you have it rolling, and that they are trying to find you in your rhythm, both footwork rhythm and also in uh, fluidity. And so think about it. When Joe has that rainbow uh, corner three, most times it's Michael Conley or Donovan Mitchell where they drive and kick to the corner, and Joe catches that ball in rhythm. So it's almost like perfect uh, on-time, on-target passes. The next part of it is that from the, the shooter's point of view is that the basket seems so big that uh, Joe Ingles-type people and Boyan Bondanovich, when they really feel that ball and they look at that, they look at the rim, they only see the ball going in. So it's a it's a feeling you get by your teammates they're being connected that the passer and the shooter have the exact same feeling in the game. Coach Gordon asked you about the late great Elgin Baylor earlier in the conversation. I understand you have a list for us today inspired by him. Yes, I do. This list today 
It only involves, Jake, uh, 12 um, names on it. Okay. It's the all-time career leaders in most regular season 40-point games. 40-point games, all-time list. Donovan Mitchell the other day against the Wizards on the road scored 42 points. So Donovan right now, for the listeners right now, in 1280 of the zone, is that Donovan has six career 40-point games. All the Jazz fans, before I give you the list, the Jazz leader is Carl Malone, who has 44 40-point games in his career. So Donovan's got six and calls the leader with the Jazz at 44. Here we go. Here's the all-time leaders. Tied for number 11, Jerry West and LeBron James with 66 40-point games. Number 10, Jake, his nickname was the Iceman with 68 40-point games, George Gervin. Number 8, tied with 70 40-point games, Rick Barry and Kareem abdul Jabbar, number seven, with 77 40-point games, the big O, Oscar Robinson. Number six all-time, with 79 40-point games, Gordon, his nickname was The Answer, Allen Iverson. All right, number five, unfortunately we lost him today as far as a basketball icon, with 88 40-point games, Elgin Baylor. Number four, still active. The Jazz are going to try to slow him down Wednesday night at 8 o'clock at the Vivint Smart Arena with 140-point games, James Harden. Number three, with 122 40-point games, the late great Kobe Bryant. Number two, with 173 40-point games, Michael Jordan, and number one by far, it's not even close, with 271 40-point games, Wilt Chamberlain. That's my, think about it. We're talking not 20, 30-point, which is commendable. We're talking 40-point games. Wilt did it 271 times. You, wow. know who I'm, you know who I'm surprised isn't on that list, Gordy? Who would you guess that I would guess uh, to be on that list who isn't? Jerry West. I was going to say Larry Bird. Larry Bird, okay. Is that because he had so many talented players around him? Correct. That's exactly right. It's part of it with the big three, meaning uh, Robert Parrish and uh, also with Kevin McHale. So it's hard yeah. to get you know that many games of 40. But, but with Elgin Bella, with 88, he played with Jerry West. When, and, the, and both those guys often would get 40 points in a game. Also, let's not forget, this year, Jordan Clarkson at the Philadelphia 76s and that Jazz good win at home, Jordan got 40 points in a game, meaning Jordan Clarkson. Hmm. It's hard to do. It's really commendable. That, that's and, a uh, great list, man. That, those are some great names on that list. So think about it. James Harden, 140-point games in his career. Wow. So he might – he won't catch Wilt – he definitely catch Michael Jordan to be the second all-time. Well, Coach, thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. We always look forward to it. Thanks, guys. Stay well and peace out. Back at you, Coach. Our friend, Coach Gordy Chiesa, with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And, uh, Gordon, I'm glad you asked him about it off the top. Really great person to talk about today with the passing of Elgin Baylor. Yeah, I figured Gordy would be. I remember watching Elgin play, but Gordy, 
uh, I would figure would have watched uh, a lot more uh, from his perspective. So he was, man. Elgin Baylor was something special. He was, he was these other great high flyers before, you know, before that became a little more emphasized. You uh, you covered a couple of those Laker teams, didn't you? <laughs> no, no, but I did see them no, play. No. So. You're not you're not searching for an old Elgin Baylor column as we speak. No, no, dang it, no. Those jokes will never get old. They probably should, though. Everybody out there is saying that's a bad joke. All right, uh, Gordo, we'll get to more coming up right around the corner. We'll keep people up to date what's going on in the NCAA tournament. Somehow uh, the, the Gonzaga game is over, and I know that because now Ellen is up on my television screen. <laughs> I caught Austin watching Star Wars because he had TNT up earlier today, and I get Ellen. How about that? Jake, I wanted to ask you real quick. Did you see uh, Seth and... Uh and uh, and the other guys, uh, Clark, doing that dance. No, were they dancing? On, yeah, did you see that, Austin? Austin is uh, on the telephone there, Gordon. They they were dancing. Yeah, they were dancing. Anything that, specific, the... like uh, like a jig or uh, a was... shuffle? I was surprised that Wally wasn't a little better than he was, but uh, yeah, it was just this corny little bit they were doing, and Greg Gumbel's over there just shaking his head the whole time. It, it was, it was. I was trying to decide whether I liked it or not. I mean, it's kind of, kind of fun to throw a little fun into the whole thing, but not great dancers, no. Well, I'm sorry they didn't meet your approval, Gordon. I know that's a <laughs> standard that most people are trying to meet. Although I was impressed that uh, that uh, Seth could moonwalk, he did. Uh, he did, he do did that. demonstrate that talent. I see. All right.